Money Talks. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. For TFG Unbuttoned, which is the Tuesday podcast from your friends at The Focus Group. Learn all about us at focusgroupradio.com. You'll find all of our media house there, including our Wednesday and Saturday shows, uh, The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Now in our 15th year, I'd like to say that, John. Now in our 15th year. <laughs> now you can. Now I can. And uh, thanks to our friends at Critics' Choice Video. They've been with us since the start of TFG Unbuttoned, our 20-minute podcast here, three stories in and out. You can find Critics' Choice Video on our website, focusgroupradio.com. Click on the logo. Start shopping away. We like when you go through us because we get credit for it, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking for numbers, dishes, clicks, clacks, <laughs> bangs. Yeah. How are you, Mr. Nash, in the dead of winter here? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, obviously, cycling has been um, pushed indoors. So like last week, you and I spoke, and after our call, I hopped on my trainer and I um, did a ride through uh, part of Spain. Are, of you course sweat- are you sweating on the floor? Yeah. Or do you put a mat down? There's a little mat that goes down. But there's also like a really nice fan that I bought about a year or two ago. Um, I guess it's one of these industrial fans they use when they dry surfaces. Uh, like this. So it's, you can easily pick it up. It's not loud, but it it's, puts a nice airstream. Because that's the one thing about riding indoors that completely I was lost on this when I first started it is that you do sweat a great deal because you're working harder. And, um, you know, there's really no air. There's no ambient air. So the fan right. does a lot of work, but um, I don't sweat too, too much. God uh, bless you. I'd be bored to tears. I, I used to hate the the ergometer, which is similar to your trainer. So you're stationary in one place. Yeah. yeah. And you're going for a distance. And I, we didn't even have the, uh, you at least have some nice oh, we scenery have, I you can view or drive. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I would just go crazy doing that or in my college days of running stadium steps for 60 minutes. Oh, 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 oh I re- So inside the stadiums, we had to run up and down the steps. And, I don't uh, remember, you know, I didn't hear about the step running until you, you, your knee started acting up originally. And I remember you just absent mindedly said, it's probably all that stadium. Running. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to run all the way to the top of the stadiums and a zigzag all the way down for 60 minutes. And I forget how many loops you had to do and oh. the equivalent of it. And, uh, I remember learning from the guys how to how to best do it in terms of going down and putting pressure on your your feet or whatever. But you know, lost so much weight that when my parents came to pick me up freshman year, they drove by me. I was waiting in front of <laughs> I was waiting in front of the dorm. I think I lost thirty pounds or something between between senior year and high school. And my I'm not even sure you had it to lose. Year. I know what you look like senior year. Yeah, no, I I lost. I mean, my clothes were hanging off me, and my parents drove by, and I'm waving and waving, and they just kept going. I chased after the car. It's me. Oh my God, you're not eating. So, um, (laughs) now you know, another thing we got hooked, Bob got hooked on a show on HBO, um, called Uh The The Great Pottery Throwdown. So, it's a it's an, a show in the style of Project Runway or all these other crap like shows where you have a mentor, you have judges, you have challenges. This one, though, we are utterly captivated by first, it's completely a fun show to watch. And the challenges that these people get, like make a teapot. One of them was make a toilet. <laughs> you know, they had to yeah, it's porcelain, make right? So they did, um, and this, the season two, I think it was 
uh, finale, it, the as the before you start, there's like a little picture of what's in the show, and there's some guy without a shirt on, beautiful, you know, sleek, muscled guy. Turns out he was like a French figure skater, and he was one of the challenges. They brought him in. He takes his shirt off. Then the Potters, they call him the Potters, had to mold, had to create in literally less than one hour. They had to do his chest. They had to like create a. They had this cylinder in front of them, and they had to mold it and move it and do all this certain stuff. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and it also reminded me of uh, a couple of years ago we had Marge Margulies on, right. who was the Potter out west, and you know her stuff is super light. And really beautiful. And when, when you see what can go wrong with all this, when it dries, it cracks, yeah. if you don't do it right. And I, I said to Bob, I think I want to learn how to do pottery. <laughs> I, oh I'm going to make a cup. That's you about it. You have the patience. Didn't you get in trouble in school because you put one in with a bubble in it and blew up everybody's project? That was Brian Morgan. That was Brian Morgan. He sat next to me. And he, and, and literally, Elaine Lysak, the art teacher, says, okay, now everybody, remember, you, if, you, if you put, if there's any air, you're going to destroy yours and your neighbor's. <laughs> And I watched Brian take a a lip of this bowl he was making. He folded it over to create an entire <laughs> bubble of air around the. <laughs> and he just looks at me and he, he he smiles. He goes, "Hey Nash," she goes, "I hope you don't care about that thing you're making." <laughs> and I just smiled, and sure enough, a few days later, oh. te tears. There was an air <laughs> bubble in the kiln. <laughs> Isn't that classic? And Brian just looks at me, and he was the first. He goes, "Oh my ashtray!" You know, whatever he was, he was like Oscar-worthy performance of how could this possibly have happened? Pushing all a suspicion away to just an an accident happened in the kiln. Yeah, I always love that stuff. <laughs> Of course, because we're both laughing hysterically at these like old school pranks, right? Well, you know, I, I'm surprised probably somebody has done it already, but I'm surprised nobody has written a book that, that was an old economics or an industrial arts teacher of, you know, the things that happened in those classes with home ec and industrial. Remember, we had to take industrial arts and home economics. You know, Mike, you know, Tim, I literally had this conversation last week with our neighbor, Barbara, and our neighbor, Lucy. We all got together and we had um, Coquito. Yeah. Is that the uh, Puerto Rican um, like eggnog. eggnog? And we all had that beforehand. Bob was is now totally convinced that Coquito is not a pre-dinner drink. It's something to have afterwards because it's how sugary and sweet it is. But we went out to dinner afterwards, the four of us, and we got to talking about exactly what you said, what we were exposed to in school. And I said, I had industrial arts. I had home ec. I mean, did you have home ec too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, had to, we had to macrame, and then we had to learn how to cook something. And we had to, Chili. I learned chili. <laughs> yeah, I, we made some sort of uh, cook. We we did a chili, too. What do you think about how easy that was, right? Ground meat, throwing the, <laughs> throw the spice. And a can, uh, a can of stewed, whatever the tomato thing was. Chili. In industrial arts, we had to bring in a log, and we had to make a table, which oh was actually God. pretty hard cool. to do. And uh, Mr. Dabo, I think was his name. Mm. And uh, yeah, but I remember doing the uh, doing those classes, and I don't think they teach that stuff anymore. I don't hear. I've never heard my nieces talk about having to do home ec or industrial arts or whatever they would call them now. I think you're right that that's a lot of that has fallen by the wayside with budgeting. Um, we also like music and art, right? Yeah, and then in high school, you had access to auto shop and typing yep. and a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other things. 
The other one that, uh, and we'll do this for another show, but I, cause I've told it before, but that led us of course, to me telling about, you know, my industrial arts teacher, Alfie Miller, and how one time he cut the end of his finger off <laughs> and then the electrocution <laughs> incident and Barbara and Lucy could not stop. They, you had him almost peel him off the floor with the electrocution one, because that is a classic. Anyway, we'll save that. <laughs> Yeah, those are good stories. Well, you know, those could, those could be a, maybe we should do a podcast after. You know, we got a lot of ideas. We're doing a, we're doing a New Year's show. I'm looking into trying to find um, public access TV so you and I could buy them up for thirty bucks a space and uh, do our New Year's. <laughs> we have to find something to drop. What would we drop? Mm, well, let's let's puzzle about that one. That's a good yeah. one. Well, yeah, there, there could be a miniature ball, maybe going down a little pole or something. But we'll think about that. It have to be something else, maybe. We'll have yeah, to figure all right. that out. So we have uh, three stories that uh, we found this past week that uh, garnered our attention that we'd like to share with you. And uh, John found this one. The headline is One Million Moms Rage uh, over an ad with a blink and you'll miss it same-sex wedding. So this came from the website QWERTY. And TurboTax has put together an advertisement. Uh, I believe, is it is it social media or is it TV? Or is it both? Uh, TV ad. TV ad. And essentially they're promoting the issue that... Um, while being so busy sorting out your taxes, TurboTax will help you so you're free to do other things. And they show a bunch of different scenarios and tableaus of people doing things, including one where a couple's getting married and the couple happens to be uh, two men that are getting married. And uh, this writer is right. I mean, it's, you know, if you blinked, you'd miss it because there's so many different scenarios in this ad. But the One Million Moms, which John and I have found out over the years, is about three people down in Mississippi, isn't it? Yeah, um, <laughs> at a linoleum, no, at like probably some old linoleum table, right? And they just, they're pushing out letters all day and yeah. stamping things and licking envelopes. So they're, of course, exercised by this whole thing that uh, TurboTax is trying to normalize sin and they're featuring these people and they shouldn't be uh, talking about or, or creating or pushing morality. And uh, TurboTax is going to push away all their conservative customers based on this small percentage of other people by glorifying sin. You have the same old, same old, same old story. And to me, I always just wonder why, do, do you even think people care about this or people even pay attention to it? I don't know. You know, it is like call so, for a boycott, it, essentially, right? It is such a brief moment and it fits perfectly with this, I, the theme of the ad, which is um, basically not taxes. You're doing everything but taxes. You're taking a hike. You're getting married. And and incidentally, um, you know, marriage is an issue that if is has a huge tax implication, which is why TurboTax would in fact include something like that right. in their ads, right? Um, I just I agree. I don't know who's paying attention. I don't think TurboTax even cares because shortly after this came out, they changed their picture on either it was Twitter or Instagram. I think it was Twitter, they put up the banner at the top of their, you know, their separate page is in fact a shot from the the gay wedding of the two guys walking down the aisle. So they're like, hey, million moms, check this out. But even their language is just so, in 2023, it's just boggling, right? Quote, even though homosexuality is unnatural, this advertisement is pushing the LGBTQ agenda. And even greater concern is that the controversial commercial is airing when children are likely watching television. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and children don't watch the news or other TV shows where people are getting blown up with guns or, you know, I, 
And then they say TurboTax crossed a line that never should have been crossed. Even if one million moms did not disagree morally with the decision to air this ad, it is not a retailer's job to introduce so-called social issues. They're not introducing anything. They're reflecting what the culture is doing, which is, in fact, marriage has been allowed since the Supreme Court ruled so years ago. They're glorifying syndrome. Yeah, well, and then when they say- No even sin should be honored. <laughs> and I love their blanket statement. Even though homosexuality is, homosexuality is unnatural. Really? Uh, because in, in many um, mammalian populations, not just humans, this behavior has been observed. So it, it's just this this soapbox morality gets so tiresome, isn't it? Cause you get tired of pushing against it because it's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. So, of course, they've got a petition. They want to boycott. My only thing about some of this, and I wonder if you're a, and you and I have dealt with this with some companies we work with, with our agency, mm-hmm. Triberry. So is so if you're particularly a publicly held company where you rely on shareholder um, value and and uh, and public uh, opinion, I guess is you have to walk a fine line because you have to you have to not make sure you don't offend the left, the right, the middle. And I wonder if if companies if this makes if this is one of the reasons why companies don't do more particularly LGBTQ-specific advertising, because they just don't want to deal with the aggravation of well, all these. Well, you and I companies. know this very well. You know, someone could sit in a meeting and say, we're already reaching these customers with our yeah. normal advertising. We don't need to do X, Y, and Z and poke the bear. And I think you may be right. Although things like One Million Moms, I mean, aren't they kind of a punchline at this point? Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> well they're doing everything they can to get their name out there. So they, they seem to be successful about it. Maybe we have to start protesting stuff. We could be uh, like we need to. Yeah, we need to have something sassy, not one million moms. It needs to be something different. But I will think about that. All right, so we have one million, on our list, one million, the, so, one million sock lovers. Yeah, on the list we have, we have ball drop for New Year's, and now yeah. we have to come up with something, <laughs> something to bow kind yeah. be upset about. <laughs> so our number two story here, and this is happening in a lot in Eastern Europe, but uh, or I shouldn't say a lot, but within Poland and Hungary. There's a number of these towns or prefectures or whatever you want to call them, counties that are um, putting together anti-LGBTQ legislation. Although this one town called uh, Schwedink in Poland has decided that uh, even though they had adopted all of this anti-LGBTQ language, they realized they were going to lose funding from the European Union. And also they had previously lost money from uh, a group from, of Norway from the mm-hmm. Norwe- Norwegian government. So they decided, never mind. So, of course, they decided that they were going to not um, have this anti-LGBTQ declaration and legislation because, of course, they wanted the money. And uh, I know in Hungary, the similar thing is happening. But to me, what happens here is that if there was no money, they wouldn't have changed, right? Correct. Yeah. And And so I just wonder whether whether it's even... If you if you're not going to change the behavior when the money and then the money stops, is you're just going back to old attitudes which will prevail? I, I don't know. It, it, it's disheartening. I think. Well, this is uh, almost one third of Poland. When you looked at all the the counties or the prefectures, or however they do that, um, had adopted this kind of far right idiot. You know, uh, don't say oh, it's practically a don't say gay bill, or or very much in the line of what Russia does with you know the no no gay propaganda stuff, right? And so it's a result of the government and of the church and a few other things. And yeah, it's like this one guy said here, in my opinion, this is the only reason that this change prevailed, which was we're turning off the taps. You know, right. you're not going to get millions of dollars in humanitarian aid. 
it doesn't change the people in the town or their or the ones who pushed through the uh, the amendment or whatever saying you know we don't tolerate gay people but I suppose on in this on the other side of the coin since those ordinances have been repealed in the towns that wanted to get back on the gravy train when it comes to international monies at least they can't use something like that to prosecute or or imprison someone or do something you know through the legal means right yeah they want to create these lgbtq free zones what's disheartening <laughs> about poland is that there was some thought at one time and this is when mika brzezinski's father zbigniew mm-hmm. had talked about poland being and uh, rumsfeld talked about new new europe remember it was old europe new europe and uh, Poland was going to be the the great uh, equalizer in terms of bringing the Russians into the fold and the rest of uh, Eastern Europe that might have been not totally on board with a lot of the, the uh, old Western values. So, uh, but find out that maybe that's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah. they'll, take, they'll take the weapons. They'll take the money, yeah. Take the money and the weapons. Our third story here comes from our friends in Japan. And the headline is, Tokyo is so crowded, the government's paying families to leave. So Japan has uh, had an issue for quite a while that their cities are overpopulated and overcrowded and the rural areas are just about um, empty and people don't want to be there. And uh, for instance, Tokyo, I don't Tokyo has 37 million people. I remember the first time I was thought New York City was big. I <laughs> New York's, to, all of New York City's boroughs come to eight, eight million, right? And when I went to Tokyo, it was unbelievable to me how... And we always joked there was one zoning stamp approved. I mean, there was, there was it was mile high buildings and just people everywhere. I mean, it, it was unbelievable how how crowded and how big it was. And so, what the government has decided is is coupled with the low birth rate that they have is uh, they're trying to encourage people to move out into what we would call suburbs outside of the major cities and uh, relocate out there and they'll give you money i think it's about the equivalent of about seven thousand per 7700 per child i think yeah per child if you moved out there so um they've and had the some thing, limited success i guess well the thing about this article that really raised my eyebrows was that they were describing towns with just empty houses mm-hmm. you know like all the and it's an age issue too like a lot of the young um have moved into the metropolitan areas including and, and and a lot of metropolitan areas have a lot of of the elderly population as well because it's i guess it's a bit easier to be old in some of these cities because you have access to doctors and elevators and mass transit um so to read about whole towns that had you know 20 people in them or something and have a whole bunch of empty houses really shocked me i'm not how well the one thing about this plan of theirs is that they are asking the families to do this um, and they're going to provide a financial incentive and then they say well you could read those who relocate could work in that area set up their own business or keep working remotely at their tokyo-based jobs said the government spokesperson doesn't that mean the tokyo-based job has to be on top of this and on board with it you would you would have i guess it's similar to us now where people can live in texas and their office could be in new york city right yeah, I, I I think that there was a, a real, uh, this one is a question mark to me only because here in the U.S. we're seeing companies begin to be a little more firm about returning to the office. Take Disney, for example, when Bob Iger came back to helm the corporation, he kind of went, he's like, you know, you got to be here four days a week now. 
regardless, you know, and, and that's, I, I, we're seeing that in banking and a few other industries. So Tokyo can't be that different from us having to want people in the office. Right. I don't know. No. And it's difficult to get to, um, you know, talk about a commute. I mean, the commutes, the commutes in Japan are, are, are crazy. And so I thought some of these places, they talked about the one place you had mentioned that was only an hour outside of Tokyo by train, which is in many cases going into Manhattan or Philly or some of the larger cities on the East Coast. An hour is about what it would take by the time you drive or you walk to your train, you get on the train, you get to where you're going to work. And uh, so they said they were talked about how 20% of that of the neighborhoods were just empty. So I thought if you moved out there, you probably could go affordably. Yeah. The government's going to pay you and then you can commute in. But people might not want to do that. I do know when I went to the hinterlands in Japan, um, some of these factory towns, and Subaru had one called Gunma, which is where all the, uh, somebody joked it was the only thing our bombers missed. But um, <laughs> very, very old and, uh, and old just, a com- just a yeah. company town. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't work for one of the large Subaru factories, you didn't do anything. And wow. it was depressing. It was very wow. depressing. And not that far outside of Tokyo. So I could see where maybe you wouldn't want to be there if you didn't want to work in that particular industry and uh, you wanted to go into the big city because to- Tokyo is magnificent in its, in its size and its, uh, it, it, just its grandeur. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just unbelievable. So I could see where you'd want to be there rather than stuck in some rural area. No different to, than the U.S., right? Do you want to mm-hmm. be in Rochester, John? Or do you want to be in Manhattan? Yeah. Would you, would you get? Would you take the money if the if the, if uh, nope. the governor offered you money to move up to uh, Dutchess County? Uh, maybe, yeah, because then you could still get back in town pretty easily. Yeah, Dutchess is hop, skip, and a jump from Manhattan. But if you told me I had to go up towards like Lake Erie Buffalo. or something, but yeah, yeah. Mm, I got to think about that one. <laughs> All right, so you're not taking the coin. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, another money thing. So we had we had some money stories. Uh, all money stories here this week. So we want to thank our friends at Critics Choice Video. You can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Critics Choice Video logo. There's lots of things they always have uh, for sale and specials going on right at the front page there. And uh, John always recommends that you get the catalog, right, Mr. Nash? Upper left corner, get the catalog. It comes every couple of weeks. I love nonlinear shopping. Although when I popped onto Critics Choice Video earlier, I saw something that made, I was like, yay, I'm going to get this. All right. There's a movie I've loved for many years. Um, it was directed by Terry Gilliam, who was part of the whole Monty Python crew. And it's called The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, yes. It is now on the Criterion Collection, uh, 4K Ultra HD, which means it's going to sparkle. And it's, uh, it's the fantastic saga about the world's most famous liar, <laughs> who is, in fact, German nobleman Baron uh, Munchausen, played by John Neville. And he spins these, there's a, he's in a town that's being bombed by the Turks, I think, because this goes back to the Crusades or something. And um, he's spinning these yarns to help a little girl deal with all this craziness going on. And, and they're just, and they, they're just silly and fun. And it's a cute movie and I've always liked it when it's on. And every time I've seen it, it's always been like an older print. So I'm really curious to see this come alive on 4K Ultra HD because it will probably look like it looked when I was seeing it in the uh, movie theater years ago. So my recommendation is the, Adver- the Adventures of Baron Munchausen now on Criterion Collection. So it sounds like the George Santos story. Or Santos, could it be? <laughs> People are wondering if that's even his name. <laughs> yeah, or if he's even gay. <laughs> if he's even gay. And yet the Republicans seated him because they need the vote. Oh, we care about integrity. Yeah, Um. anyway. 
<laughs> Another recommendation I would say is if you don't have Paramount Plus and you are a Star Trek fan, um, there are some new shows that have been uh, airing and uh, there's a couple of new shows that are now available. And um, one of them is Star Trek Prodigy. It's really, it's really a kid show, but I got to tell you, the writing was superb. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things I was really surprised at. So season one is available on Blu-ray as well. It stars Kate Mulgrew. The animation is really good. And as I said, the stories are surprising. It is a kid show, but you may enjoy it. Anyway, folks, that's uh, TFG Unbutton for the day. Uh, we want to thank America's Classic Movie and TV Authority since 1987. That's Critics' Choice Video. We've been talking about some of the things you can find on their site, including signing up for a catalog. Check out the Focus Group. It's going to drop on Wednesday. That's the video portion of the show, and the audio is available on Saturdays. We want to wish you a good week, and we'll see you in the new one. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.